I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It's not the one who speaks the loudest or even the one who speaks the most, who is the most effective communicator. In fact, there are four things that if you just do these four things, you will become a more impactful communicator. Are you ready to learn what they are? Then join me on this conversation of Sincerely Speaking. Hi, welcome to Sincerely Speaking. I'm Marcy Amaro, your self-leadership coach. Now, what that means is I'm here to help you rediscover your calling, tap into your greatest potential and strengths, and eliminate those things that keep getting in your way and in the way of your success. So whatever success looks like to you, whether it is in your career, in your business, in your relationships, or in your life in general, I'm here to help you get out of your own way, remove the obstacles, and elevate all of your life to the next level. If you're ready to see everything that you're capable of and see what your life can look like, I invite you to head on over to marciamara.com and set up a 30-minute clarity and confidence call where we will talk about your mission, your vision, your goals, the things that you're here on this planet to create, what might be getting in the way up until now, and some actionable, amazing ways to get out of your own way to eliminate all those obstacles and reach the level of success that you've been dreaming of. Are you ready? Are you ready for the next level? Then stick around to this conversation of Sincerely Speaking and then head on over to marciomara.com and schedule your 30-minute call. Can't wait to meet you in person. Chat soon. So when I was in high school and actually the beginning of my college career, probably part of the beginning of my professional career as a teacher too, I always thought that the person who would never run out of things to say, the person who was always constantly adding to the conversation, the person who could confidently and boldly just express themselves and assertively say whatever they wanted to say, usually meaning that they spoke the loudest, that that was the person that had the most effective communication skills. Now, as I've matured and as I've grown, I've realized that nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, the people that are the loudest and the people that speak the most tend to miss some really crucial pieces that would turn them into a lot more effective communicators if they would just slow down and do some of the things that we're going to talk about today. So I've been on this little rant lately because I am sick and tired of the bias that our society has that is in favor of extroversion and against introversion. And I think that's shifting a little bit nowadays, but I believe that one of the positive things that came out of the pandemic, if we can say that anything good came out of the pandemic, but you know what I mean, um, is that because we were isolated for so long and because we had to resort to other tools like online communication and so forth, we have come to realize that some of the things that we valued so highly in the past are no longer the main things that we should be focusing on. And in fact, they might be things that have hindered and slowed down our progress as a society over time. And I believe that one of the things that we have learned to understand is that personality as we used to understand it doesn't quite work the way we thought it did. We saw a lot of people who were very outgoing and quote unquote extroverted before the pandemic go to uh, a space where they are less so, right? Where they are more um, reserved and less willing to put themselves out there for whatever reason. We've also seen some people who by all practical and, and 
traditional definitions are introverts stepping up and stepping out and getting on camera or getting behind the Zoom lens and allowing themselves to be themselves, to speak up and to do the things that in the past they would have been terrified or unwilling to do simply because they have other tools and mechanisms that they're using that help them feel a little bit more secure and that allow them to shine without feeling so exposed in a way, right? So I think that that whole thing is shifting a little bit, but we still tend to have this notion. And I believe that it particularly impacts those of us who identify as introverts of thinking that if we are going to elevate ourselves to a different level, if we are going to advance, if we are going to go for that promotion or go into business and do the sales and do the things and create the content and all everything that, that, all these things entail, that we have to somehow suppress our introverted self and step into an area of extroversion that we might not be comfortable with. But I refuse to believe that. I think that the more you that you are, the better the end result is going to be. And yes, there are things that we get to improve. And yes, there are things that we get to step into. And yes, there are things that we get to become more comfortable with. But all of those have to happen in a space in a time frame and in a way that allows you to still recognize yourself when you look in the mirror, when you look at the videos or you look at the Zoom recording or you see yourself on the screen or whatever the case may be, you should still be able to say, yes, that's me. And that's the genuine me. That's the authentic me. There's nothing in there that's not me. And I still feel like I'm doing, I'm honoring who I was created to be while at the same time stepping up and growing and developing and becoming a better version of me, right? So in today's conversation, I want to talk about four things that if we do them, if we implement them, they are going to allow us to become more impactful communicators. And this is regardless of whether you're introverted or extroverted. In fact, as we look at the four things, you're going to notice, notice and this was not done intentionally necessarily, but I'm glad it worked out that way. But you're going to notice that these are things that introverts tend to be a little better at than extroverts, but that doesn't mean that extroverts don't do them, right? And there are elements of what's typically considered extroversion that I might mention as we discuss these four things, because here's what I honestly believe. It's not about introversion or extroversion. In fact, I believe whatever personality element you're using, whether it's introversion or extroversion, whether it is the type, whether it's whatever it might be, I believe that we all operate on a continuum and we all have the capacity to be any element of those uh, personality traits given the right set of circumstances, right? Like I remember when I was a young adult and my dad, I've told the story before, but my dad was diagnosed with kidney disease when I was 13 and he ended up being in dialysis for 20 years and that deteriorated his body quite a bit. So one Father's Day when I was still single, it was me, my sisters, one of my sister's boyfriends. Anyway, it was the family. We went to a restaurant. I'm not going to mention the restaurant, but we went to this restaurant to treat my dad a Father's Day dinner. Well, when we got there, there were eight of us. And I told the lady, there's eight of us. And she was like, yeah, well, we're pretty full. It's going to be about an hour wait, whatever. I asked my dad if that was really where he wanted to eat. And he said, yes. So we said, okay, we'll wait. But then a group of nine came and she was going to sit the group of nine before sitting us. 
I stood up like a dart, like I just sprang up and I went over to that host stand and I was like, excuse you, there's more people in that group than us. We've been waiting longer and we want to be seated. She was like, well, these people are willing to sit in separate tables. And I said, did you ask me if we were wanting to sit in separate tables? Anyway, very long story short, she ended up she ended up sitting us before that other party. The tables were separate, but they were side by side. And we had a grand old time. But I spoke up at that moment in a way that would normally be considered extroverted, even though I wasn't. And if I had been by myself, I probably wouldn't. Right, but I did it because it was for my dad and it was a special occasion and I didn't want him to have to wait. So that is just one quick example. And I'm sure that you can think of moments in your life, whatever you consider yourself, whatever you identify with, as whatever you identify as, introvert or extrovert, whatever that might be. I'm sure you can think of a moment or two, maybe more, in which you've acted in a way that is more typically associated with the opposite of what you identify yourself as being, right? So I believe we all operate on a continuum is the bottom line of what I'm trying to say. But what we're going to be talking about is how do we intentionally do certain things? And I got a little ahead of myself there, but how do we do certain things on purpose that are going to allow us to show up as and become more of an impactful communicator? And by impactful communicator, I don't mean you win every argument. That is not what I'm talking about. And I also don't mean that you have the answers for everything. I also don't mean that you can take care of everybody else's problems because you have all the advice in the world and all the wisdom in the world. That's none of that is what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about when I mention impactful communication is the person that effectively gets their message across, assertively says the things that they think, feel, believe, and understand in a way that reinforces their rights as human beings without violating the rights of others, all right? So when you can do that, you are an impactful communicator because you are understood, you understand, and you clarify and continually test the notion that everybody's being heard, seen, and understood in the conversation, in the communication, in the interaction. Hope that makes sense, right? So here are the four things. I'm going to mention them first, just one right after the other. For those of you that like to take notes or that just love to know where this is going, and then I'll go back and explain them a little bit. So the first one is speak with intention. That's why I said I got a little bit ahead of myself, right? So number one, speak with intention. Number two, be aware of context. Be aware of context. Number three, listen with curiosity. Listen with curiosity. And last but not least, ask meaningful questions. So again, all four, speak with intention, be aware of context, listen with curiosity, and ask meaningful questions. Now, here's the thing. When we are having just casual conversations in passing, none of this really applies. Because if you're just saying, hello, how you doing? And you're just answering, oh, good, how are you? Then it doesn't matter. Just the fact that you're fully present, making eye contact, and really intentional in terms of making sure that that conversation is what you're focusing on at the time, then you're going to come across as a great communicator no matter what, right? If it's just a day-to-day -day conversation with your spouse about, how was your day? My day was fine. What happened with this and that? What are we going to do about this? 
you might not need all of this, right? If it's just you're picking up your kid from school and your kid is telling you a story about Billy who tripped in the hallway and broke two teeth, you don't need to go through all this. You just need to listen, right? <clears throat> but when we are engaging in communication where we want to make sure that there is a long-lasting effect to this conversation, where we want to make sure that the other person sees the significance in the conversation as much as we do, where we want to make sure that at the end of the interaction, both of us or everybody involved feels like they were seen, heard, and understood, and like it was worth their while to be part of that conversation, then we want to make the conversation impactful because there's nothing worse. I don't know how many meetings you've been in that at the end of a two and a half hour meeting, you go, that could have been solved with a three minute email, right? And you just feel like you wasted two and a half hours of your life. So we are looking to avoid those experiences as much as we can when we're involved by being really impactful in our communication and making sure that we do these four things so that at the end, we all feel like it was time well spent, like it was worth our while to sit through however long we ended up talking for. Make sense? All right. So let's talk about speaking with intention. And that is the very first thing. If you don't know why you're going to have the conversation, what it is that you're looking to gain at the end of the conversation, and whether having a conversation is the best vehicle to achieve that, then it's not worth having the conversation until you're clear on those things, right? If you are going to have a conversation with somebody at work, and it's a conversation to just share information, to just let them know where things are at, to share your progress on a project. You might not need to speak face-to-face -face with this person. An email might be enough. You might be able to just put down on, a, on an email, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm working on, this is where I'm, when I plan to have it done by, let me know your thoughts. And that's that. You don't need anything else. But if you have come onto uh, a sticking point, right? Or something that become, that's becoming a little bit of a challenge or an obstacle, or you're trying to make sure that uh, money expenditure that you're looking to make is justified and that they understand why you're making it, things along those lines, then having a conversation might be necessary, right? If you're having a conflict with your spouse or your child, if you're having a tense moment with anyone who's important in your life and you want to Give each other an opportunity to hear each other and to see where we, where each other is at and why you are feeling the way you're feeling or why you're at that standstill, then a conversation is probably necessary. But you need to know why you need to have that conversation and why you need to have it then and there, right? Whatever the timeline might be, like today, in a week, in a month, you need to be clear on why the conversation is essential and why within that time frame. And also you need to understand what is the end result that you're looking to get? Because if it's, for example, a conflict that you're having with someone important in your life, like your spouse or a child, a parent, a coworker, you might not be able to resolve the entire conflict in one conversation. And it's important for you to gauge and understand that, especially if it's a long-standing conflict. So your intention for that conversation might simply be to make sure that everybody has a moment to express where they're at, how they're feeling, and why they are feeling that way, what is behind their thinking, how they got to the conclusion that they got to essentially, right? So a space for everybody to be seen, heard, and understood. And that's all there is, right? So at the end of that conversation, you probably won't have a solution. But if at the end, everybody feels like, okay, at least you heard me. 
And now we can go back with this new information, mull it over, think about it, process it, and then come back in a week or two and talk about other steps that we might take, solutions that we might try and implement, things like that. Then you can have an effective and positive, impactful conversation, right? So it's really important for you to be clear on why you're having the conversation. Why now? Is it worth having, really? And what is it that you want to see happen as a as a result of that one conversation, right? Like your ultimate goal might be to restore the relationship. But the goal for this one conversation might simply be to be able to ask for forgiveness and give validation. That might be all you get to do in this one conversation. And that has to be okay. That has to be okay for you. And if it isn't, then you might need to ask yourself, why can't I be satisfied with this one smaller step? And what can I do instead, right? So the first step, again, is to speak with intention, to know why you're speaking, why now, and what do you want to see happening at the end, right? The second step is to be aware of context. What do I mean by this? Every conversation has a context, even this one, right? So I am recording in my office with a cold. <laughs> so my voice sounds raspy and I'm having to pause every once in a while to drink some water and take care of my voice, right? I could have decided to not record but I know I'm recording under these conditions. So I have to be aware of the context that if my voice gets to a, a tone or a pitch that might be uncomfortable for you, I might need to stop recording, pause it, and come back to it later. That's context. If you're talking to someone else, let's say you're trying to have a conversation with your spouse, but the game is on and they're really into the game and their favorite team is playing, is that the best context for the conversation? If you're at work, but the phones are ringing and people are running around and it's five minutes before a big pitch or whatever the case may be, and people are distracted and there's a lot of commotion, is that the best context for the conversation? Probably not, right? So being aware of context means not just checking prior to starting the conversation whether this is the best time, place, and circumstance to have the conversation, but also checking to make sure that the other person agrees. Also, as the conversation is taking place, be aware of context clues, right? We've all heard the expression, read the room. So learn to read the room, read the body language, read the way in which they're responding, the tone, the pitch, right? Read their eyes, their mouth, their breathing, the way in which they're posturing themselves, right? If they're leaning forward, they're probably very interested in what you're saying, but if they're crossing themselves and leaning back, leaning farther away from you, they probably just shut you out. They don't want to hear what you're having to say. So being aware of those clues, learning how to read the room will help you be a more impactful communicator because it will allow you to be flexible enough to respect the cues that the other person is giving you, and to create a space and environment that is the most conducive for the type of conversation you're trying to have, right? So if I'm trying to have a very serious conversation with my husband, I'm not going to have it in front of my daughters. I'm not going to have it while we're watching TV, and I'm not going to have it while we're driving to a fun night out. I'm going to have it behind closed doors in my bedroom, having warned him that we need to have a conversation around X, Y, or Z. Right. So I'm not blindsiding him either. Make sense. So make sure that you are reading the room properly and being flexible enough to understand that sometimes we get to pause the conversation. Sometimes we get to say, you know what, 
I'm sensing that this is not the best time for this conversation. Either I'm getting upset or I can see that you're not as receptive as you might want to be or whatever, whatever feels natural to you. But I think it would be best if we postpone this conversation. How about we plan on having this talk tomorrow at noon or whatever? And you agree on a time. And even after you agree on a time, before you start the conversation again, double check, triple check that it's still a good time for them. Yes. Number three, listen with curiosity. I talk about this all the time. We should not make conversations tennis matches, right? You send something my way, I send something your way. You send something my way, I send something my way, right? We should not have that kind of competitive spirit. Conversations are not about winning or losing. In fact, if a conversation is impactful and if a conversation is done correctly, implemented the right way, everybody should walk away feeling like they won some, right? Nobody should feel overpowered at the end of a proper conversation. And that's a topic for another time. But if anybody feels overpowered, abused, walked over or looked over, then it wasn't a powerful, impactful conversation or even an effective conversation for that matter, right? But when you're listening with curiosity, what I mean by that is you're not listening to reply. You're not listening to catch them off guard. You're not listening to hold over their heads, whatever they say. You're listening to understand with a curious mindset that is simply going, huh, that's interesting. I wonder, right? So the person says something you didn't expect, or the person says something that you don't believe to be true, or the person says something that is offensive. Instead of barking back your response, instead of defending yourself, or instead of just blurting out, that's not true, you stop for a second, detective hat on, and you say, huh, that's interesting. You don't have to say that out loud. You can say it to yourself, right? And then the next thing out of your mouth might be something like, can you help me and walk me through how you got to that conclusion? Or can you help me understand why you believe that? Or can you help me see where that came from, right? Or it might be something like, okay, I can see how you might have gotten to that conclusion. Have we explored other options? Can we look at other ways of seeing this? See, you're still in curiosity. You're not demanding anything. And if they say no, then your response is, okay, continue then, right? And let them have their, their time. Let them just say whatever they need to say. You don't need to defend yourself because once you listen and you start reflecting back to them, saying back to them what you have heard them say, they're going to hear it. And if there's any space where they might consider that they're not right, in hearing spoken back to them what they have to say, they're going to recognize it. Right. So if somebody says, Oh, you never listen to me. You go, I hear you that you feel that I never listen to you. Is it really never? Right. So give them the opportunity to hear what they just said. And then the fine, oh, and in listening with curiosity, something really, 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 really important. You are going to listen as a detective who is trying to discover clues that are hidden, right? So you're not assuming things and you are not assigning meaning to things outside of what is meant. Like you're not imposing your meanings on what they said. You're not putting words in their mouth, but you're listening to try to see certain clues. Like if they say, you never listened to me, oh my gosh, this person feels unheard, right? So as I am 
listening to these clues and I am talking them away and I am putting them in my heart and I'm really listening with enough curiosity to remember them afterwards. If you don't remember them, ask permission to take down some notes. That's powerful. Then I can step into the fourth thing, which is asking meaningful questions. Meaningful questions are not yes, no questions. Meaningful questions are not simply asking the same thing over and over and over, although there's a time and place for that, but we'll get to that at some other moment. But asking meaningful questions is about making sure that whatever you've been hearing, whatever you've been understanding is accurate, plus it's about drawing out the things that might still be hidden under the clues that you might need more information about or that you might sense the other person still has some things to unearth around, right? So and you never listen to me, you can ask something like, okay, I'm curious. You said I never listened to you. Would it be possible for you to give me, a, for instance, an example of a time when I didn't listen to you, right? That's a meaningful question because you're looking for them to really explore the source of their discomfort, you're looking for them to materialize that so that you can feel it and understand it, right? In a conversation where somebody is expressing that they have ideas that are never taken into account or that are not taken into account, right? You can ask something like, okay, what avenues have you pursued to make sure that your ideas are seen by the right people? What have you done to make sure that your ideas are seen by the right people? Right. And you can let them talk through it. And the intention is not to catch them off guard or to have them trip on their own words. The intention here is to put everybody on the same footing, understanding things the same way. And maybe, yes, in the process, one or both of you might realize that there's something there that you weren't paying attention to, that there's something there that is unfounded or that there's something there that is easily corrected. Right. So the ultimate intention of impactful communication is not to stay where we're at, but to take at least one step in the right direction, at least one step in the right direction. So when you can ask meaningful questions that yield powerful responses, other than just yes or no, other than, you know what I mean, right? other than that type of reaction, then you're putting everybody in a better space for understanding each other and for getting to the space where you can draw solutions or where you can figure out new and innovative ways to approach things or where you can get to the next stage in whatever that conversation might look like, right? So make sure that as you walk through these processes, you are thinking not in terms of whether you like to talk or not, introversion, extroversion, not in terms of whether the other person is a good communicator or not, not in terms of whether you have the time or not, because if you don't have the time, you shouldn't engage in the conversation in the first place, right? The intention, intentionality piece. Think in terms of how can we all leave this space feeling like we've made at least one step forward in the progress scale, like we've moved at least one notch forward in the progress scale. What is the next thing that we can do that is going to get us a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer to whatever the end result is that we're looking for in this interaction, in this relationship, right? And so when we start with intention, move into awareness of context and of the words that we're choosing and those kinds of things, lead with curiosity and 
make sure that we're asking enough questions to give everybody a space to express and to draw out what might be hidden in there, then we're in a position to have incredibly impactful communication and incredibly impactful conversations. Now, I truly hope that even with my wonderful voice, this has been helpful and has, has been meaningful and valuable to you. If it has, share it with someone in your life that you know might find it useful. Make sure to subscribe, leave a comment and a review so that our podcast might be offered out there to more people. And in the meantime, whenever you feel ready to have a conversation with me about your goals, about how to lead yourself to greater results, about how to transform leadership, then head on over to marciamaro.com and schedule your free 30-minute confidence and clarity call where we will get you ready on a path to what your new destination gets to be. Let's redefine leadership together, shall we? Chat soon.